Amen. Amen. All right, we're there in Luke chapter number 21. And of course, we have been going through the gospel of Luke in a series called Journey with Jesus. And we've been going through verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We're really taking our time through this book just because there's so much, so many good things in this book. And tonight we're kind of within a series, a series within a series, because we've been taking our time as well, walking through Luke 21 itself, since it's one of the Gospels in which Jesus taught about end times, and end times uh, tends to be a subject that people are interested in. It tends to be a subject that people have a lot of questions in. So I like to take my time going through uh, the end times stuff, and we're going to uh, continue to look at that tonight and study it tonight. And I also think, I feel like sometimes it's, it could be a little overwhelming when there's so much uh, to look at regarding end times that I, I try not to give you so much that you just aren't listening or stop, stop listening. Um, and I'd like for you to be able to kind of understand these things. So if you remember, just to get a little bit of context, if you look at verse number seven, Luke 21, seven, the Bible says, and they asked him saying, Master, but when shall these things be? And what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? That is the context in which the question is asked. The, 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 the answer that Jesus gives, which this passage of Scripture is known as, or it's, I should say it's parallel with the Olivet Discourse. And what Jesus is answering is these questions. When and what are the signs going to be? And if you remember, we spent an entire sermon looking at what is referred to as the tribulation uh, or the four horsemen. We talked about the four seals in the book of Revelation. We looked at seal number one, the Antichrist, seal number two, world wars, seal number three, famines, seal number four, great death. And of course, we've had holidays and all of that kind of in the mix, so we haven't been really just going through this uh, in, in, a, in a sequential order. But last time we dealt with uh, Luke 21 and we dealt with end times, we actually spent an entire sermon on seal number five. If you remember, we talked about the abomination of desolation or the abomination that maketh desolate. And we talked about the image of the Antichrist. And of course, we talked about Jerusalem being made desolate. So we've dealt with seal number one, seal number two, seal number three, seal number four, seal number five. Tonight, we're going to deal with seal number six. And seal number six is, of course, the day of the Lord and the rapture, the day of the Lord and the rapture. And I'm going to prove to you tonight like I often try to do when I preach these types of sermons, that the rapture is after the tribulation and before the wrath of God. And I think that'll be clear. Hopefully that'll be clear by the time we're done tonight. So you're there in Luke 21. Look down at verse number 25. Luke 21, 25. And that's, this is where we left off last time we were in Luke 21. So we're going to just pick up right where we left off. We ended with seal number five, and we'll pick up with seal number six. Luke 21, 25 says this, And there shall be signs... In the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, and that word perplexity means confusion, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Now what we are reading about and what the Lord Jesus Christ is describing here in Luke 21:25 is an event that is talked about a lot throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament and the New Testament this comes up a lot and it is a day known as the day of the Lord. And if you're taking notes tonight and of course I always encourage you to take notes 
on the back of your course of the week, there's a place for you to write down some things. I'll give you three thoughts tonight in regards to the day of the Lord. And the first one is this, and you can jot this down. Number one, the day of the Lord is characterized by signs in heaven and earth. The day of the Lord is characterized by signs in heaven and earth. And this is important to understand that the day of the Lord, if you ever want to know, is the Bible talking about the day of the Lord? The distinguishing factor of the day of the Lord is the fact that there are signs in the sun, Jesus says, and in the moon and in the stars. Look at, again, Luke 21, 25. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. And all throughout the Old Testament, I mean, you could go to Joel, you could go to the major prophets, the minor prophets. There are so many references to this, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time going through that tonight. I've done that in other sermons, and you can study that out on your own. But you'll find that this is probably one of the most talked about events throughout the entire Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, is this day of the Lord. And if you want to just know how do we know when we're talking about the day of the Lord, you'll know because it's always described in this way, the fact that there will be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. Specifically, what you'll be noticing as we go through these passages, or if you've read these passages, it talks about the fact that the sun will go dark, the moon will go dark. The sun will turn into sackcloth of hair, the moon will turn into blood. And the idea is that both of these big uh, figures that provide light are going to go dark. Now, you're there in Luke. Of course, keep your place there. That's our text for tonight. But go with me, if you would, to the book of Revelation, last book in the New Testament. Should be fairly easy to find, Revelation chapter 6. And we've been using Revelation 6 to outline the end times events. Revelation 6 is where we get the first seal, the second seal, all of those seals. And you'll notice here in Revelation 6 that we, again, match up with the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. We left off in seal number 5, the abomination of desolation. And in Revelation chapter 6 and verse 12, we have the very next seal. Notice it, Revelation 6, 12. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. Notice what the Bible says. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind, and the heavens departed as a scroll, when it is rolled together. By the way, that's referenced in the great hymn, um, It Is Well With My Soul. The last stanza there is quoting from Revelation 6.14, when it says that the, the heavens are rolled up as a scroll, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. So we see here that the sixth seal is this day in which the sun becomes black, the moon becomes blood, and the stars fall. That's the consistent description given. Uh, Different ways of describing that, but pretty much that's the day of the Lord. It's distinguished by that. And it's important for you to understand that because if you're in the Old Testament, because if you remember prophecies will often will not just be about one thing. Now, the book of Revelation is generally just about the end times. But when you're in other books of the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, you will have these prophecies, and the prophecies are are written in such a way that they're actually dual prophecies. Oftentimes, they are prophetic of something that's going to happen in that near future, in the event of the prophet who's writing or speaking at that time. And then also there'll be something in regards to what we would call the end times or the end of the world. And the way that you'll know, okay, is this going to happen now or is this end times, is with the sun going dark, the moon turning into blood. That has never happened and that's only going to happen at the day of the Lord. So we see here that it is the sixth seal. The sixth seal is characterized 
is, is a reference to the day of the Lord and it is characterized by the signs in heaven and in earth, the stars falling. And that's important. And I want to kind of belabor that a little bit because you're going to need to understand that or you're going to need to remember that to be able to understand the timeline of end times prophecy. So number one, we see that the day of the Lord is characterized by signs in heaven and earth. The sun turns into sackcloth, the moon turns into blood, the stars fall. And we can spend a lot of time we go to Acts and see the day of the Lord described that way. We go to the book of Joel and see the day of the Lord described that way. We could go to Isaiah and Ezekiel. We could go to a lot of prophets in the Old Testament and see the day of the Lord. I'm not going to belabor that and show you all those passages. Hopefully you're a little familiar with that and you understand that. But that is the characteristic of the day of the Lord. Now go back to, keep your place there in Revelation. We're going to come back to Revelation 6, but go back to Luke chapter 21. Let me give you the second point the second thought. The first thought is this. The day of the Lord is characterized by signs in heaven and earth. The second point, the second thought is this. The day of the Lord is the event that we know as the rapture. Now, that statement that I just made is a controversial statement. I would say that there's a vast majority of Christians out there who believe in a doctrine called the pre-tribulation rapture, and they would disagree with the statement that I just made that the day of the Lord is the rapture. But I'm going to show you from the Bible how the Bible teaches that the day of the Lord and the rapture are the same day. It's the same event. And there's no way that you can get around that idea. Now, you're there in Luke 21. We read verses 25 and 26. Nobody can disagree with the fact that verses 25 and 26 are a reference to the day of the Lord because there's only one day in prophetic uh, in prophetic writings in which the Bible tells us that the sun is going to turn into darkness and the moon into blood and the stars are going to fall and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Verses 25 and 26 are definitely a reference to the day of the Lord. Now notice verse 27. Remember that verse 27 is in the context, of course, of verses 25 and verse 26. Verse 27, And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. So the Bible tells us that you're, you're going to have the sun and the moon turn dark and the stars fall, and then you're going to see the Son of Man coming in a cloud, all right? Now, here's how the pre-tribbers will spin this and try to explain this away. They'll separate the coming of the Lord and the rapture as two different events. They'll say the rapture is the secret event where we're all raptured up, and nobody knows what happened, and everybody's asking, where did they go? Did aliens take them? Whatever. And, you know, they've just watched so many movies. And they'll say that the rapture is one event, and then the coming of the Lord is a separate event. It's a different event, and they'll separate it that way. But I'm going to show you that the Bible teaches that the rapture happens at the coming of the Lord. The rapture is the coming of the Lord. Now, we do understand that the coming of the Lord is spread out over a three and a half year period and there's lots of different events and facets that could be put under the umbrella of the coming of the Lord. But the first thing that happens when the Lord returns is the rapture, which is why the Bible says here, then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud. Now, up to this point, you may be saying, well, you haven't yet proven to us that this is the rapture, so let's go ahead and prove that now. Notice verse 27. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming, I want you to notice these words, in a cloud coming in a cloud. This is important for you to remember because this is something that's referenced a lot throughout the prophetic writings. You're there in Luke 21. Continue to keep your place there in Luke 21. Go back to Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6. 
Remember that we saw in Luke verses 21, excuse me, chapter 21, verses 25 and 26, we saw the day of the Lord, the characteristics of the day of the Lord, the signs in the heavens and the earth and the stars. And we saw that, match, that matched up with Revelation 6, verses 12 to 14. The sixth seal is open, the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, the moon became as blood, the stars fell, uh, uh, the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, right? Then we saw in Luke 21, 27, that the next thing that happens chronologically is that they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds. That's what Jesus said. Notice what happens next in Revelation chapter 6. Again, consistency with the events and the chronology here, verse 15, and the kings of the earth. This is after the sixth seal is opened. The kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us, notice, from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath, notice these words, of the Lamb. All right, now who is the Lamb consistently throughout the entire Bible? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, John the Baptist famously looked at Jesus and proclaimed, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. So here we see in Revelation 6, verses 15 and 16, in verses 12 through 14, the sixth seal is open, the day of the Lord happens, the sun turns dark, the moon turns dark, the, the, blood, the, the, the stars fall, and then in verses 15 and 16, we see the Lord Jesus Christ coming, because the people are saying, Hide us from the face of Him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. Now you're there in Revelation 6. If you're familiar with the book of Revelation, and I don't have time to go through everything that I want to explain regarding this, so I'm just going to go through it quickly, and hopefully if it goes over your head, then don't worry about it. If you're tracking with me, then good for you. And if not, you can go back and listen to the sermon on not double speed, but half speed, and maybe that'll help you. If you're familiar with the book of Revelation, you remember that the first Several chapters are kind of introductory chapters where we see John on the Isle of Patmos, the Lord Jesus Christ appears to him, and then he gives him a message for the seven churches in Asia, which are churches that are all in existence in the first century. Then, of course, we begin into end times. Of course, there's a, there's a description of the throne of God and all those things. But really, in Revelation chapter 6 is where the end times events begin. That's what we've been studying for the last several weeks. That's what we're looking at right now. These seals are the beginning of that. The book of Revelation is divided in half. So when you get to Revelation uh, chapter uh, 10 and 11, you're coming to the end of what's known as Daniel's 70th week, or the seven-year, not tribulation period, because there is no such thing as a seven-year tribulation period, but the seven-year period of the end times known as Daniel's 70th week. Then when you get to Revelation chapter 12, we, you start over. The book of Revelation is cut in half. It gives you the same chronology in two different ways from two different views. And sometimes people get confused by this, but if you consider the fact that God does this a lot, if you're familiar with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they pretty much go over, except for John, the synoptic Gospels, go over the, the same stories just from different views. If you're familiar with the books of First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, you realize that they cover a lot of the same stories, but they give you different details from different views. The book of Revelation is like that. It's divided in half, and one gives you a view from earth, the other gives you a view from heaven. So when we get to Revelation chapter 6, we see the Lord Jesus Christ coming 
in verse 16, they say, hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne. If you skip over to Revelation chapter 14, here's why I'm, I'm explaining this to you. When you get to Revelation 14, you, re, you need to realize that we are in the same parallel chronology as Revelation 6. The book of Revelation started over. started over in chapter 12. Chapter 12, read chapter 12, it's very uh, clear that we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and the first century. Chapter 13 is all about the Antichrist, just like Revelation chapter 6, uh, uh, six with the tribulation period. Chapter 14, the Bible says this, verse 14, And I looked, and behold, notice this, a white cloud. Okay? Now we saw in Luke 21, 27, And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud. Right? Here we're told, And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud... One sat like unto the Son of Man. Who is that? Who is referred to all throughout the Bible, all throughout the Gospels, as the Son of Man? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, I saw a white cloud, and upon the clouds one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. All right? So here's what I want you to gather. I want you to understand that the coming of the Lord is characterized with him coming on a cloud. In fact, if you remember in the book of Acts, when Jesus ascended, the Bible says that he was caught up in a cloud. And if you remember, the disciples were all staring up to heaven, and an angel had to appear and tell them, what are you gazing at? And he tells them, go get to work. I'm just supposed to go soul winning. He just told you to go soul winning, right? But what does he say to them? The angel says that in the same fashion in which he left, he's going to return. He was caught up into the clouds, and he's going to come back on a cloud or with a cloud. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Jesus coming in the clouds is a reference to the gathering of believers. If you're there in verse 14, notice, And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. A sickle is a tool, a farming tool, that they would use to be able to harvest or to gather a crop. Notice verse 15. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud. Notice what he says to him that sat on the cloud. Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So when the Son of Man is on the cloud, he's told to thrust in the sickle and reap, because the harvest of the earth is ripe. You say, what is that a reference to? That is the rapture. And if you remember, and again, I don't have time to go and cover all of this. Uh, you'll have to look at this on your own if you want to make a note of this. But if you remember the, uh, the, the parable in Matthew 13, Matthew 13, 39, Jesus gives a parable about the end of the earth. And when he goes back and explains to his disciples what the different things mean and represent in the, in the parable, he literally says in Matthew 13, 39, the harvest is the end of the world. And he talks about the fact that the angels are the reapers. So this is a reference to the rapture, the fact that the one who's sitting on the cloud is going to thrust in the sickle and reap. Notice verse 16. And he that sat on the cloud, I want you to remember that, thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And of course, this is symbolic. This is an allegory. The symbolism is being used here to explain to us what is happening and the fact that the rapture is taking place at this point in this uh, passage of Scripture. Now, keep your place in Revelation. 
go to Matthew, Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Now, we've been looking at Luke 21, which is a parallel passage to Matthew 24, but Matthew 24 gives us some different details that I want you to be aware of and I want you to see. Now, we read in Luke 21, verses 25, 26, and 27, Jesus say that there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars, and the fact that the powers of heaven shall be shaken, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud. In Matthew 24, 29, this is a parallel passage where Jesus is teaching the same thing. Notice what he says there in verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, notice what he says, shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Now, doesn't this all jive together? It all there are every, everything is teaching the same thing. Luke 21, Matthew 24, Revelation 6. It's all telling the same thing. The six seals open, the sun goes dark, the moon goes dark, the stars fall, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming. You see that? See the Son of Man coming. How is He coming? In the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Verse 31 and he shall send his angels. If you're familiar with the parable in Matthew 13, the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. Okay, I want you to just look at this, sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Because here's the fight, okay? When it comes to the rapture, and whether we're post-trib or pre-trib or post-wrath or pre-wrath or whatever, when it comes to all of those questions, really the answer has to be answered right here. And the question is this. Is Matthew 24, verses 29 and 30, we know that verses 29 and 30 is the day of the Lord. Nobody doubts that. Nobody argues that. The question is, is verses 30 and 31 the rapture? Is this the rapture? Because the pre-tribbers, this cannot be the rapture if you're going to believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Because the, pre, the whole point of the pre-tribulation rapture is that there's no signs of His coming. It could happen at any moment. Throw your wallet in the offering because it could happen tonight. I mean, it could just happen. You won't know. You could be riding on a plane with Nicolas Cage or Kirk Cameron and disappear and not even know, you know, what happened. The whole point is that nothing needs to happen. There's no sign. No one will know. And, and if that's the case, then this cannot be the rapture. Because if this is the rapture, I'm here to tell you something, everyone's going to notice. Everyone's going to notice the sun going dark, the moon going dark, the stars falling. And by the way, that's the point. The point is that everybody notices because God, it's, it's, God is turning everything off as the Lord Jesus Christ appears so all eyes are on Jesus. He turns off the, the, the sun. He turns off the moon. He turns off the, the stars so that Jesus can make His grand appearance coming in the clouds. So here's the question. Is it the rapture? And I'll give you my position is that this is the rapture. And I'm going to prove that to you here in a minute and I've been proving it to you, but I'm going to continue to prove it to you. My position is this is the rapture. But let me just say this. For those who say, no, this is not the rapture, then I've got to ask the question, then what is it? What in the world is this if it's not the rapture? And they come up with, a, oh, this is a rapture just for the Jews. It's like, come on. 
Okay, let's talk about it. Keep your place in Matthew 24. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If you find the T books in the New Testament, they're all clustered together. 1 2 Thessalonians, 1 2 Timothy, and Titus. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I like to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and have you cross-reference Matthew 24 and 1 Thessalonians. And here's why. Because nobody argues that 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is not the rapture. Do you understand what I'm saying? Everyone agrees. Post-trib, pre-trib, no-trib, whatever. Everyone agrees that 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is talking about the rapture. So therefore, if we know, and I agree with that, it is the rapture. So if we know that 1 Thessalonians 4 is the rapture, then we should be able to just compare it with Matthew. If we're trying to figure out, is Matthew 24 the rapture? Then we should be able to compare it with Matthew 24 and ask ourselves, is this talking about the same event? 1 Thessalonians 4, look at verse 15. Remember, 1 Thessalonians, nobody debates this. Everybody agrees this is the rapture. 1 Thessalonians 4, 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto... Okay, let's just look at it, okay? Unto what? The coming of the Lord. Now the pre-tribbers say the coming of the Lord and the rapture are not the same thing. And then you ask them, okay, well, do you believe that 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 15 through 17 is about the rapture? And they would say, well, of course, of course I do. I went to Bible college. I'm not an idiot. Of course I do. Okay, well, did you ever read it? Because the first thing it says is the coming of the Lord. That we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent, that means come before, them which are asleep. Meaning when Jesus comes back and raptures us or resurrects us, those that are asleep or dead in Christ are going to rise before those that, are, that remain, that are alive and remain. What event are we talking about? The coming of the Lord. Look at verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. Okay, so we're looking at 1 Thessalonians 4.15. We're told that this is the rapture. Everybody agrees, and I agree with it too. It is the rapture. And then we're told Matthew 24 is not the rapture. And you ask people, why is Matthew 24 not the rapture? And they'll say, well, because Matthew 24 says the coming of the Lord and we know that's not the rapture. But then you go to 1 Thessalonians 4, which they say is the rapture, and you see a reference to the coming of the Lord. Then you go to Matthew 24, 31, and it says that he's coming with a great sound of a trumpet. And they'll say, well, we know that's not the rapture because the rapture is going to be silent. No one's going to hear it. But then you go to 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, which they say is the rapture, and it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. It references a trumpet. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together, that's the rapture, with them, don't miss it, in the clouds. The Son of Man is coming in the clouds. So look, here's the point that I'm making. Matthew 24, he's coming. In the clouds, with a trumpet. 1 Thessalonians 4, 15, 16, 17. We know this is a rapture. Nobody argues this is a rapture. And you know what it says? That it's the coming of the Lord, 
with a trumpet and were caught up together with, uh, with him in the clouds. Now look, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out. I think this is the same event. Sorry, it's not like the same event, guys. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, 2 Thessalonians 2, 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, notice, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. They say, no, 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 the gathering together and the coming of Jesus, those are two different events. Those events are separated by seven years. They're separated by the seven-year tribulation period. Well, nobody let Paul know that because he said that I'm beseeching you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, saying, when Jesus comes, we're going to be gathered together. Why? Because when does he come back? He comes back at the day of the Lord. The sun goes dark, the moon goes dark, the stars fall, and it is a darkening to prepare for His coming, all eyes on Him. Every eye shall see Him. But when He comes, He raptures us. So the day of the Lord is the rapture. Go back to Matthew 24, look at it again. Verse 30, And then shall appear the sign of the Son, Son of Man in heaven, and they shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming. We saw that in 1 Thessalonians 4.15, the coming of the Lord. In the clouds. We saw that in 1 Thessalonians 4.17. In the clouds. Same words. Verse 31, with a great sound of a trumpet. We saw that in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, with the trump of God. And then the Bible says here in verse 31, And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to another. And we saw that in 1 Thessalonians 4.17, shall be caught up together with him in the clouds. But here's what the pre-tribbers will say. They'll say, no, 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 no. I know this looks like the rapture. But you're not as smart as we are. And they'll say, see this word elect? They shall gather together his elect. And they'll say, that's the Jews. So this is a rapture just for the Jews. Like the Jews get their own rapture. Okay? First of all, that is not true. That nowhere in the Bible do you see that. But here's the thing. You say, well, what is, an, what is the elect? We have to always allow the Bible to define itself. Amen. The Bible is its own dictionary. Don't go to a commentary and let it tell you, what the Bible means. You let the Bible tell you what the Bible means. And look, we could look at every reference for the word elect to prove what the word elect means. I'm not going to do that because I'm just not going to spend the time to do that. But let me give you one reference, and I think it's really clear. Because the question is, is the elect Jews? Right? Because that's what they say. Matthew 24 is written to the Jews. The elect, it's just the Jews. They get their own special rapture. That's not you. That's not the Gentiles. That's what they say. The elect are not the Gentiles. The elect are not the Greeks. The elect are not the barbarians. It's the Jews. That's who the elect are. Okay, let's see if that jives with the rest of Scripture. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. I'm not sure if you kept your place in First or Second Thessalonians. I meant to tell you to keep your place there, and I apologize for that. But if you have your place there, if you go backwards, you have Second Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, Colossians. So right before First and Second Thessalonians, you have the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verse 11. What are we doing in Colossians 3.11? We're trying to answer this question. Is the elect, the term elect, 
only a reference to the Jews. Remember our question. Let's see what the Bible says. Colossians 3.11. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew. Okay, well, it looks like we went to the right spot because we're trying to figure out. Does the word elect apply to only Jews or Greek? And here, Paul's already talking about this. He says, where there is neither. So whatever he's talking about, he says, it's not about being a Greek or a Jew. Circumcision nor uncircumcision. Those are just two different ways of saying a Gentile or a Jew. Barbarian or Scythian. Bond or free. So look, he, he's, he's saying, it doesn't matter if you're bond, doesn't matter if you're free. doesn't matter if you're a barbarian or a Scythian. doesn't matter if you're a Greek or Jew. Circumcision or uncircumcision. He says, but Christ is all and in all. Here's what he's saying. I want you to understand this. Colossians 3.11. If you're in Christ, it doesn't matter if you're a Greek or a Jew. It doesn't matter if you're circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, bond or free. Everyone has to come to Christ the same way. No one gets special treatment with Christ. If you are saved, we are all equal and we're all level with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither male or female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. That's Colossians 3.11. That's the context, okay? I want you to understand the context. So then he, Paul is talking to the church in Colossae, which is a church of Gentiles, by the way, and he's telling these Gentiles, because you're saved, there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all in all. And then he says to these people that he just got done telling them, don't worry about Jew or Greek. He says, put on therefore. So he's telling them, I want you to put on therefore. And then he makes this parenthetical statement. It's not in parentheses, it's in quotation marks, but it's still a parenthetical statement. He says, put on therefore, and he's going to describe them, he says, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. He says, I want you to put on bowels of mercy, I want you to put on kindness, I want you to put on humbleness of mind, I want you to put on meekness and long-suffering, but he says, I want you to put those things on because you are, because you are, he says, as the elect of God. So he's telling them you're the elect of God. Who is he telling you are the elect of God? Number one, the church in Colossae. Number two, the people he just got done saying that in you, there's neither Greek nor Jew. So to say, no, the elect is only Jews, then that would make this verse, this passage incorrect. And we know that Paul spoke under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And look, if you look up the word elect throughout the New Testament, you'll find that it's used for, for believers. It's not a reference to Jews. In fact, it's used in Romans to differentiate between the Jews and the election of God, referring to believers. So the word elect, there's no way you can, you can slice it. The word elect is a reference to believers. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? is a passage in Romans that Christians apply to themselves because it's written to Christians. So when the Bible says here, they shall gather together his elect, that is not the Jews. That is the same thing that we're reading about in 1 Thessalonians 4.17, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall they ever be with the Lord. So we see that this is the rapture, what's being described here. In Matthew 24 and Luke 21, after the sun and moon are darkened and the stars fall, 
what is being referred to is the rapture. The event is the rapture. The day of the Lord is the same day as the day of Christ or the rapture. Now, go back to Matthew 24 if you would. You say, okay, why are you making such a big deal about this? Because I want you to get the timeline, okay? Remember, the first point was the day of the Lord is characterized by signs in heaven and earth and the stars, right? The sun goes dark, the moon goes dark, the stars fall. When you see that, you need to think. When you read that, you need to think, this is the day of the Lord. Then we just spent a long time, not a long time, but we spent some time showing you that the day of the Lord is the rapture. Because in both Matthew 24, Luke 21, we see that when the moon goes dark, the sun goes dark, the stars fall, that's when the elect are gathered, the angels are sent out as reapers, the Son of Man who's sitting on the cloud thrusts in his sickle into the earth and he reaps the earth. We see that that's the, the rapture. It can't be anything else. It's consistent with everything that you see in Scripture. Now, here's why that's important, okay? If you look at Matthew 24 and verse 29, the Bible says this, immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. <coughs> Excuse me. And the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Nobody disagrees that that is the day of the Lord. We know when we see the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and stars shall fall, that that is the day of the Lord. Okay, now I'm going to try to help you put this into a timeline. And I'd like you to try to see this in your mind's eye. Try to uh, see this in, 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 your, in your mind. I'm going to try to make this as simple as possible for you. In fact, I'm going to try to make it so simple that even a theologian will be able to understand this, okay? But when you look at the day of the Lord, let's say you're looking at a timeline, and maybe you're looking at a timeline that, that's going down. <coughs> when you look at the day of the Lord, we know Matthew 24, 29 is the day of the Lord because it says the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall, right? We know Matthew 24, 29 is the day of the Lord. Now, if you look at the first phrase of Matthew 24, 29, we're told what happens right before the day of the Lord. Matthew 24, 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, right? So if we have the day of the Lord here, what happens right before the day of the Lord? The tribulation. So you have the tribulation period, which we've looked at, seal 1, 2, 3, 4, the four horsemen, seal 5, the rise of the Antichrist, the image, the mark of the beast. And then the sixth seal is open. That's the day of the Lord. And that happens immediately after the tribulation. So let's, let's just get a timeline. You have the tribulation. Then you have immediately after the tribulation, you have the day of the Lord. Correct? Go to Revelation 6. I'm trying to make this, you might say, like, this is very simple. I'm trying to make this very simple because some people just need you to talk slowly. Revelation 6, look at verse 12. And I'm not talking about you. I know you guys are a smart group. I'm talking about the people listening online. <clears throat> Revelation 6, and not all the people listening online. Revelation 6, 12. <clears throat> and I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal... 
And lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree cast to their untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. <clears throat> and the heaven departed as a scroll, when it was rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Okay, so Revelation 6, 12, 13, and 14 is what? The day of the Lord. So we have, according to Matthew 24, 29, the tribulation. Then immediately after the tribulation... We have the day of the Lord, right? We're in Matthew here. But then parallel to that is Revelation 6, right? Revelation 6, verses 12, 13, and 14 is also talking about the day of the Lord. In our chronology, this has happened after the tribulation. But notice what Revelation tells us happens right after the day of the Lord. Verses 12, 13, and 14 say that the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, the moon became as blood, the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, Verse 15, and the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from, don't miss it, the wrath, the wrath of the Lamb. What happens after the sun and moon are darkened? What comes after, according to Revelation 6.16, the wrath of the Lamb? But what happened before the sun and moon went dark? What happened according to Matthew 24.29? The tribulation. So this is a, the big argument is, we can't go through the tribulation because the tribulation is the wrath of God. Well, not according to the Bible. Because the Bible clearly tells us that the wrath of God begins after the sun and moon are darkened. And the tribulation happens right before the sun and moon are darkened. So these are not the same events. Look at it again, Revelation 6.16. And said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Verse 17. For the great day of his wrath is come. I mean, can it be any more clear than that? <clears throat> According to Revelation chapter 6, has the wrath of God already came before verse 16 and 17? The answer is no. They're looking at him coming and they're saying, the great day of his wrath is come. Sorry to lose my voice, I don't know why. <clears throat> the words is come is present tense. Meaning it's happening right now. So the events that happened before that Seals 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 are not the wrath of God. And who shall be able to stand? <clears throat> Let's just run a few verses real quickly and then, and then we'll finish up just to, to further prove the point. Go to Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 7 and look at verse 9. Just to further prove this. But I hope you understand, Matthew 24, 29 puts the tribulation right before the day of the Lord. Immediately after the tribulation of those days is when the sun and the moon goes dark. Revelation 6 puts the wrath of God immediately after the day of the Lord. Meaning that the day of God's wrath and the day of the Lord are two different days, are two different things. Revelation 7, look at verse 9. Revelation 7, 9, And this I beheld, and lo, 
Remember I told you that the book of Revelation is divided in half. So in Revelation 6, just, just to give you an outline, Revelation 6, you got the six seals. That's all the tribulation, right? At the very end, the sixth seal is open, and you have the day of the Lord. Revelation 7, I don't know what's going on. The devil's trying to stop me from preaching this sermon. <laughs> Revelation 7 <clears throat> is the rapture. Let me prove it to you. Verse 9, and, and by the way, Revelation 8 is the wrath of God. Because Revelation 8, the trumpets start sounding, and you start getting all these supernatural things happening where God is destroying the earth. Revelation 7, 9, After this I beheld in law a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. <clears throat> so here we see, sound like an old man preaching. <laughs> You're getting a glimpse of the future. This is what the 70-year-old me is going to preach like. Feel like, feel like I can like start um, rebuking all you young bucks. <laughs> Maybe God just wants me done, but let, let me just show this to you. Revelation seven nine. After this, I beheld in low a great multitude which no man could number. Could you turn my? I don't even know if anybody's back there, but could somebody turn my speak my mic on? Mic up, please. Somebody, if you could help me or somebody help me. After this, I beheld in low a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and peoples and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with the white robes and palms in their hands. This is the rapture. This has to be the rapture. A great multitude, which no man could number, all of a sudden appear in heaven, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues. Then God, almost just on purpose, I mean, obviously on purpose, but I think just to make a point. If you look at verse 13, says, And one of the elders answered, a little, that's a little much, please. Um, and one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which come out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Amen. So I want you to notice that the day of the Lord and the rapture are the same day. The day of the Lord comes after the tribulation, and the day of the Lord is the day of the rapture. And here in Revelation 7, we're told that this group comes to heaven, and we're told that they came out of great tribulation. So I just want you to see the consistency in the Bible. Go, go to Revelation, um, excuse me, not Revelation, go to uh, Luke 21. <clears throat> I had other verses I was going to show you, but I think I'm done. Luke 21, look at verse 25. Luke 21, 25. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. And upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens shall be shaken and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Luke 21, verses 25, 26, 27 is a reference to what? The day of the Lord, which is the rapture. It happens after the tribulation, and it happens before the wrath of God. Now, I want you to notice, this is why Jesus says in Luke 21, 28, 
And when these things begin to come to pass, when what things begin to come to pass? The signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. The powers of heaven shall be shaken. Then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud. He said, and when these things begin to, ca- to, begin to pass, I love, I love the, this is probably one of my favorite verses in end times prophecy. He says, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. Amen. You say, why does he say that? Because he says, when you see the signs in the sun and in the moon and the stars, get ready, the rapture is about to happen. Because the day of the Lord and the rapture are the same day. After the tribulation, before the wrath of God, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, uh, I pray that everything would be clear and understandable. Thank you for being clear with these teachings. Lord, help us to be biblical Christians who don't just determine what we believe based off what the crowd believes, but we determine what we believe based off what the Bible says. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to have Brother Moses come up and lead us in a final song. And then, of course, just want to remind you of a couple of things. Uh, first of all, don't forget that... Um,